I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharme with you tonight, breaking down round two action from the AT&T, Byron Nelson, and joining me to break it all down is Mark Immelman. Mark, thanks for joining. How's it going? Uh, it's going great. In fact, right out my window here, I can't uh, show you on my computer, but I'm in the, we are being put up in the brand new um, Omni, the Frisco Omni, you know, the PGA headquarters, the PGA, the Professional Golf Association. Yes. They've moved out down here to Frisco, Texas. I'm looking out at the golf course right now where they're having the uh, the senior PGA championship in just a couple of weeks' time. So uh, things are good. I'm out here in Dallas, and that's uh, I've got a pretty view right now. That's pretty cool, Mark. Uh, you know, the, that PGA headquarters looks like it's going to be a big part of professional golf in the, in the coming years, uh, starting this year. So some pretty cool stuff. Uh, I want to head over to the, the AT&T Byron Nelson because we have a familiar face on top of the leaderboard. Uh, after shooting 764 yesterday, Scotty Scheffler went out this morning and not a lot of time in between tee times. And he decided he'd like 64. Uh, he did it again. What'd you think of this round today, Mark? Uh, he had some fresher greens uh, yesterday afternoon. The greens got a bit chopped up. Um, yet uh, TPC Craig Ranch, they've got the Zoysia Fairways, obviously, and there's very little rough. And the place is somewhat receptive because in Dallas, with bent grass greens, you have to keep them moist, right? Because uh, bent grass burns out so quickly. So this place is always going to be softish in the, the spring, summertime. And and so it also gets chopped up some late in the day. So with some fresh greens, the way he's hitting it right now, um, it's it's almost uh, can I say I'm not really surprised uh, the last time I, I didn't watch him play today but the last time I saw him hit was at the RBC Heritage and and I said to my colleagues then I'm like I'm making an argument that this guy is the best ball striker in the game now you know I, I hold Rory McIlroy in, in high high regard and of course John Rahm can hit it but Scotty Scheffler I mean no one talks about how he hits it 
He's long. He's accurate as heck. Um, he, it just comes so easy to him. And uh, he's been battling the putter some, but uh, yesterday afternoon he said it was more on the greens than what it was him. And he's just got such an easygoing manner about him. He never seems too fussed about stuff too, you know. You've worked with pro golfers where after a bad day, it's like all DEFCON 5 reaction to stuff. He's like, oh, whatever, we'll see what tomorrow holds. And lo and behold, tomorrow, which was today, held exactly the same score, and he's looking unbeatable right now. You mentioned how good this ball striking is. And I just have a, you know, before we talk about what he did today a little bit more, uh, every single tournament since the WM Phoenix Open, okay, that was fe- that was in the middle of February, uh, he's gained two or more strokes in both Strokes gain off the tee and strokes gain approach the green. Uh, that's the that's the ball striking that you're referring to, Mark. It's just it's relentless. It's constant. Now you look at what he did today, what he's done through two rounds this week. It's the same thing. I mean, he's hit. Oh, he had 11 fairways yesterday. He had 10 fairways today. Hit 15 greens yesterday. Hit 15 greens again today. Uh, it, it's just it, it's incredible stuff. How consistently. This is what Kyle and I talked about last night, too. It doesn't matter if it's a major championship type setup or a birdie fest. It, it doesn't stop. He just keeps on going. Well, no, uh, it's there's a couple of reasons, really. I don't think people realize, Greg, how long he is, how, how far he carries it through the air and then how high he hits it. Like today on 18, there was a shot that he hit. I didn't see it first person. I saw a highlight of it from one of our camera shots uh, into 18. Um, Pardon me, it was yesterday. Um, it, it was on the par 5 18th. Flag was cut in sort of the right corner of the green over a bunker. It was playing back into the wind. He is outside at 270 yards, I think it was, and smashes the three-wood in there to about 10 feet uh, and and stopped it close to the hole. Now, look, even though the greens are receptive, you've got to hit it awfully high to bring down a three-wood and have it stop within five, six feet on a green. And he did that like he was hitting a seven, eight iron in there. And it's yeah. just a weapon he has. And, and to me, it's amazing how, as I look at the golf swing, the swing of the arms, it's, it's sort of uninterrupted from the top of the backswing through into the finish. And he's not handcuffed by technique a bunch either. You know, sometimes you'll see him making these freaky looking follow throughs to shape shots. And other times he looks perfectly in balance. It's, it, it's people worry about the footwork and such, but he hits it in the middle of the club face every time and they go far and they go high. And he's got all the shots. I, I watched him in a warm up at Heritage at Hilton Head. And he had everything. I mean, he had everything in the bag. There wasn't a shot he didn't have. And every shot was on the button. And the fades weren't pushed and the draws weren't pulled. You know, the, the, the fades started left and the draws started right. And he just was wearing out the flag. So it's, it's massively impressive right now. It really is. I mean, that one you mentioned from yesterday was a, a fade. Definitely started left. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, he was 258 and hit it to 14 feet with, to a tucked pin. I mean, it, it was just an incredible shot. And he filled he filled us up with more of those today. I mean, it, it was just absolutely incredible. A little better on the greens today. Uh, as it stands now, he's 14th for the day in strokes game putting. Um, really incredible stuff. But here's the consistency, right? 27 putts yesterday, 27 putts today. Maybe a little more steady today, right? Well, yeah, but that's the thing too, you know. The stroke gain metric is great because you can compare people to the field. Right. But in 
and golf is about a number on the bottom of the card. And if you tell Scotty Scheffler he's going to have sub-28 putts, you know, to shoot 68, he's got to hit 40 shots. So that basically means he's got to hit 14 greens in regulation. He's going to be like, sign me up because, you know, I, I don't have to attack all the flag sticks then. So it, it just becomes arithmetic in the end. And and that's where he looks like he's got this kind of laissez-faire way about him where it's like, ah, whatever, you know, oh, shucks, here I go again. I'm just going to tear it up and go and shoot another round in the 60s because – it's sort of how easy it's coming right now because he knows, you know, the math of it. If he hits 15 greens, he's got to just have a somewhat decent day on the greens and he'll shoot mid to high 60s. Then if he fills it up some, then he does something crazy. So it's it must be a fun place to be, that's for certain. Uh, it was uh, eight birdies and one bogey today for an aw shucks 64. <laughs> it's just, it's incredible stuff. And it was one better than uh, another player who works with Randy Smith, who of course we're all thinking about. Um, he's not doing great right now, but Ryan Palmer is just one shot behind Scotty Scheffler also played this morning. Uh, he went out and shot 65 today. Uh, also with one, one bogey, he only made seven birdies though. So he was lagging behind a little bit with Scotty, but right now, Mark, he only sits uh, one shot back, and Ryan Palmer in Texas seems to be a pretty good match. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at a number of the players who are playing well. They're guys who are proficient in Texas and or on greens like uh, grasses like like Zoysia and Bermuda and stuff like that. And uh, Ryan grew up down the road, or he lives down the road in Fort Worth, um, grew up in Texas. And uh, he, all Texans can hit the ball heavy through the wind. Even though it might go high, it cuts through the wind. It never gets well, all, all the good ones, Mark. Yeah, all the good ones. Yeah, go. All the tech. <laughs> that's that's sort of where I get to live, fortunately. And and so they hit the ball very well. And even when he's off, it, the the ball cuts through wind. And so when they get to these conditions, they feel comfortable. And then with some of these fairways, you've got to sort of trap and pinch balls a bit more too, which is something he does very well. But he made a quip after the round, which was telling to me because. He was asked about, well, you know, where did this come from? Because your form hasn't been so great this season. And he's like, man, I've just not been good. He goes, but I've worked in it. And I started to make some putts last week at Quail Hollow. And he goes, and it's amazing when you start to make, you know, your six, seven, eight footers and you make one or two 20 footers, how back in the fairway, you don't feel like there's pressure to hit the ball too well. And so that frees you up. And then he's like, and I don't feel like I have to be perfect with the iron game to make birdies. And so you, you, you see this knock-on effect from a guy who's making some putts on the green. So it's fun to see because he's great. He's a great guy. He's a hell of a player. Uh, you know, the measure for me is always what happens as you get closer to the end of the tournament because that hole starts to shrink in size. And, um, you know, if, if the putter is a bit bulky and the mindset's not that clear, you know, that it can start to get a little rough riding. So I'm keen to see how it goes tomorrow, certainly. And if he keeps Scotty in his sights, because if he does, Ryan Palmer's been around the block. I'll tell you this much. Scotty might be the number one guy, but Ryan Palmer's not going to back down for him. But Ryan's no. going to have to keep making putts like he has been. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um, and and he look, this is a, a really nice thing too. If you look at the statistical profile, it, it's great to hear him talk about the confidence on the greens. Uh, and and what we see when we look at the numbers is well, that freedom has led to some really high quality ball striking so far this week. 
uh, which is great. I mean, it's 15 greens of regulation today. It's 11 of 14 fairways, putting himself in position and then taking advantage of it. Uh, and, and now for the week, he's fifth in strokes gain approach. Uh, and he hasn't really filled it up on the greens. He just ha- he hasn't made mistakes on the greens. Uh, yeah. And that's something that I think tomorrow heading into the weekend will go a long way. Uh, you know, it's not like he has to hold 30 and 40 footers. He, he's just got to make putts he should make. He's got to put good strokes on it and he'll have a chance and he can kind of hang with a Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, I completely agreed. Uh, you know, that greens and regulation number, like we were talking, it's important. But I would be very inclined to have a look at some of what their proximity numbers are, too, because these greens are big here, but they, yeah. play, they play small in areas. Like I could go around here and hit, you know, 14 greens fairly easily, I guess, but I could leave myself some difficult putts because of the humps and hollows on these Weisskopf greens. So, so proximity is a big deal, and proximity to me is always a function of distance control. So that speaks to solidly struck irons in crosswinds and into the wind and stuff. So, look, that's right, right up his alley. So, you, I'm, I'm with you. If he keeps making those six, seven, eight footers, you know, I feel like he's going to have a good shot over the weekend. He wasn't quite as good today uh, in the proximity department as he was yesterday. Um, but, you know, the other amazing thing here, and this just bl- it blows me away when I watch these guys play this golf course, his average approach shot distance into the greens this week is 200 yards. <laughs> you know, today was 202. Yesterday was 198. I mean, they're coming in from a long way, especially for someone like Brian Palmer, who's not as long as Scotty Scheffler. Uh, and, and yet he's able to put himself in position and give him looks. It's give himself looks. This was a, a really, really good round. You know, we were looking at somebody shooting 60 yesterday. Uh, some you'll know. And, and you're thinking, I got to go fill it up. And, and he's able to do it first thing in the morning. Pretty cool. You bring up such a good point there with the uh, average approach shot distance. Because, you know, ordinarily you see guys playing from about 175, 180 yards or so. Sort of the seven iron range, seven iron eight-ish. For the long guys, when you get up to that 200-yard number, then it's six and five irons and things like that. And and this is a lot of golf course. It really is. It's long, and it's playing longer now because they've turned um, the 12th hole into a par four. Um, but it's just testament because if you look at the scoring, it's testament to what receptive greens mean for scoring. And yeah. you'll, the, the viewers and the listeners to this will always hear, well, the place is soft. We're going to score well. Now, when the place gets soft, it gets longer. But when the place gets longer, if these guys can kind of gauge where the ball's going to land and how much, what it's not doing in the air necessarily, but what it does after it lands, that's a big deal too. And so when you get situations like this, like Sheffield, even as high as what he is from outside of 260 yards, I think you said, to have a three metal land on the green and just release a bit, that's a big deal for this crowd. And that's why you're seeing uh, the score just power get absolutely obliterated year, year in and year out. It just it, it blows me away. Um, all right. I want to get to Mark, a couple other players from the morning wave. Uh, then we'll transition into the afternoon wave and, and talk about some of you know what tomorrow has in store. Uh, but I want to get to Siwoo Kim here. Right, Kyle and I talked about him a good bit yesterday. And he went out this morning and shot a five under par 66, just one bogey. Uh, and it was able to add six birdies on the card as well. I'll tell you, Siwoo Kim, he's, he's looking really solid right now. Siwoo Kim's real. 
he's a he's a real golfer with a lot of talent and a big attitude uh, you would have seen if you were watching the president's cup you would have seen that attitude i mean not afraid to fist pump in the face of justin thomas in a singles match yeah, and not a pre- uh, not afraid to bury putts there in front of a partisan american crowd and turn around and kind of take a bow and and kind of rev the crowds up he, that's who he is he's up for that sort of stuff and and when he gets to hitting it well he's going to shoot low now, on the flip side of it, when Siwoo starts to not hit it so well, Siwoo can go a little Tyrrell Hatton at times. He just doesn't, isn't as demonstrative. So I think at times he's almost his own worst enemy because if you poll players in the locker room, they're like, this is guy's one of the prolific talents on the PGA Tour. Um, so when he gets to going well, he's f- wonderfully entertaining. It's a beautifully, he's got this sort of old school golf swing with a weak turned under left-hand grip, plays with quite an open club face, and he slings and releases the club hard. It's a pretty fade when he's at his best. And since he went to that broom handle putter, it's really helped the scoring. Um, But, you know, for me, see, we were over the weekend, I believe, because I've watched him play, I've watched him win. I've been there for wins of his. But but he's just got to get past the odd misstep or the odd short putt miss because that stuff settles underneath his skin a, a little bit more than certain golfers out here. And today was able to manage some of that um, because you mentioned how many of these greens you'd be able to hit in regulation. Siwoo hit nine today. He had half the greens. But he was nine for nine and scrambling. There you go. Right. So, I mean, that's what a professional does. And he is, like you said, he's sitting in there in that locker room and everybody knows this guy is a legitimate professional golfer. Um, so really, really good stuff. Nine for nine in scrambling. Yesterday was five for five. That is, of course, uh, 14 for 14 is pretty good. Uh, and it leads the field. Is he going to be because we're out in threes off two tees tomorrow morning because of the weather. Is, is he in the final group? I will have to check into that. Sorry, I and I what? and I can. I I didn't hear if well, play's not uh, play's not done yet. I don't think so. I don't think the pair, the, the groups have been set set yet. But we are at yeah, probably probably not. But it does look like, um, I mean, Marty Doe is out there. He's eight under through fifteen. Pretty much everybody up near the top of the leaderboard is in right now. So I I think it's set. Um, no, he will not be in the final group because you got Mackenzie Hughes, who's at 13. So Scotty, Scotty's at 14 under Ryan Palmer at 13. Mackenzie Hughes got in at seven under par. We'll talk about him uh, after the break. He's at 13. And then you have Siwoo Kim, uh, Richie Wierenski, and a big group of guys at nine under, uh, including the last guy I want to get into from the morning wave. He was playing alongside Scotty Scheffler uh, in, in that group this morning that's jason day uh, he shot a 200 par 69 today so he's at nine under within five of the lead um but this wasn't quite the day that he had yesterday no but the train keeps rolling and the good news is this and yeah i'm gonna say it the good news is that after a miscut last week he was able to get right back in the saddle and so to me, that speaks to a guy who understands what he's doing with his game. It's a guy who understands what he's doing with his golf swing. And not that you can ever make the golf game kind of, you know, turn key. It's never that easy because there's so many variables. But for a guy who was just horrid and quail hollow last week, didn't have his best stuff whatsoever. Right. To turn 
around and get really sharp, play well, because look, Jason has been the world's number one. When you're playing alongside Scheffler, it's a real deal. And there's an element of pressure that's brought to it. And he showed up and I thought he made some really pretty swings, uh, cobbled together a good day yesterday, given a, a kind of a an offish start. And today wasn't his best stuff, but he's right back in the saddle. And that's a good, that's a good sign for a guy who's made some giant strides this year. And so even though maybe he hasn't had the win yet, you know, it's all sunshine lollipops right now and the stock is trending. So I'd keep an eye, I'd keep my eye on it. You know, yesterday you mentioned it's not easy to play with Scotty Scheffler. Uh, Scotty Scheffler was six under through six yesterday. Jason day had made six pars in a row. I made another part number seven and then ended up tying him. Uh, he shot, you know, seven under in his last 11, which was incredible. Uh, in today's round, uh, he made a birdie at 11, a bogey at 12, a birdie at 14 and 18 to turn in 33 started on the back nine and then a bogey at four and only one other birdie on that front nine, which came at uh, the par five ninth. So he he does get in breaking 70 and still in the mix. And, you know, I'll say lastly on Jason Day, um, because Kyle and I talked about this yesterday, we really liked Jay Day because we we thought it was less likely that he would run into a cold putter than Scotty Scheffler. And boy, were we wrong because Jason Day, he yeah, he, he lost uh, 2.3 strokes putting today, 145th in the field. Um, and meanwhile, he is third on the day in strokes gain approach and leads for the week. So, I, you know, I, I still have a good feeling heading into the weekend. Maybe today was his dad bad putting day. And I think he's still a factor. Yeah, you you are so right. Um, I'm sure you could add a statistical number to this observation, but when when Nick Price talks, I listen. And Nick Price, you know, Hall of Famer, multiple major champion, he was the perennial runner-up for a while in major events, and then when he started winning, he became world's number one, and he won at a prolific clip. And um, I asked him, you know, not when it was all said and done, but he was still competing at a high level. I'm like, what's the difference? And he said, I learned or I learned might be the wrong word. Maybe it was learned, but he was like, I learned how to make my bad day decent because Mm -hmm. it's four rounds, right? And four rounds for four rounds, it's infrequent that you're going to have all your facilities for 72 holes. It just doesn't happen. There's going to be an off stretch, whether it's five or six holes or whether it's nine holes, or whether it's a whole day, but on that stretch of holes, you're going to stay relevant and you can't be backing up by your own volition. Like if you're making bogeys and stuff, if you get overtaken by a few folks and you're just treading water, that's okay. Like you should, you illustrated yesterday how he was even par through six and six behind the leader. And then they had the same score at the end of the day. So, yeah, he, he got by the bad day on the greens today. You know, if, if it happens twice in a row, I would be somewhat surprised. The greens did appear to me because the wind blew a little harder by my count. Now, I wasn't out here yesterday. I was talking to a few folks. The greens did seem a touch slower maybe mm. so as a result you saw a number of putts kind of just leaking energy at the hole and kind of breaking low so so maybe it was a little bit of a change of speed that got him but you know what that's not an excuse because these guys always the key to success in the tour is the ability to be adaptable and the ability to adapt and, and so you got to pick up the stuff quick and, and make decisions on the fly so it was a misstep by him but he still kept himself relevant 
Uh, also at nine under par is Scott Piercy, Sam Stevens, Harrison Endic- Endicott, CT Pan, Hendrick Norlander, and Hideki Matsuyama. So big group of guys sitting at nine under par as well. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here and hear a word from our partners. And when we come back, we'll discuss uh, Mackenzie Hughes, who will also be in that final group, those final threesomes tomorrow. Uh, and we'll get into a little bit of Hideki Matsuyama as well before we tell you who we like heading into the weekend. Um, is five under too far back, Mark? I don't know. But uh, we'll be back to discuss more right after this. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing To grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. Okay, Mark. Um, In tied for second in the final group from the afternoon wave, which was quite frankly kind of quiet, much quieter than the morning wave today, is Mackenzie Hughes, who's the only player we've talked about so far who's yet to make a a bogey on the week. Uh, He shot seven under 64, seven birdies, zero bogeys. uh, Just really solid stuff out of Mackenzie Hughes. Mm, He's a solid player. Um, he, he just does everything well. He is a solid striker. He's, he's sneaky long off the tee. He's a beautiful iron player to me. And, and around the greens, he's simple and efficient. And when he gets it going, he can roll putts in. So uh, to me, Mackenzie Hughes has always been the kind of guy who I've been surprised that he hasn't had more success. Uh, but a lot of that is a function of confidence. And he's always been so humble and unassuming. I think maybe Mackenzie hasn't really believed um, that he's capable of competing and with and beating the best. Um, but I heard him in, a, in an interview afterwards with George Savarikas go, you know, I believe week in and week out, I'm here, I, I can compete. And when I heard that, I was like, well, look who showed up for the party. And, and so now I'm like, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching him play tomorrow because I've got the final group. And I'm looking forward to how he, he hangs in there because he's got the tools. But, you know, when he was in college, he was always, you know, behind Corey Connors. And then when he got on the, t- the, 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 the tour, you know, he was behind Corey and Nick Taylor, you know, the other Canadians. Then he had a win. Uh, but, but he was always sort of like the, not the bridesmaid, but there was always Canadian golfers that were more heralded than him. Mm. Um, but, but if you watch him play and you didn't know where he fit into the game, you'd be like, well, I'm surprised this guy doesn't do more. 
and I am. So yeah. I think this week could be uh, th- this could be a chance for him, you know, because he's got the leaders in his sights. He's in the final group. He can go out there and make a statement tomorrow and just add to this confidence reservoir that, that appears to be now beginning to percolate. I think we have a uh, kind of a, a bulldog in Mackenzie Hughes, and not the Georgia kind. Maybe the Canadian, maybe a Canadian bulldog, if those exist. But you know, he won- he wins the Sanderson Farms back in October. Uh, has a couple of nice finishes in the fall as well. But since that time, he's missed six cuts. Um, but you know, the the match play, there's something that stands out. He came in tied fifth in the match play, uh, and, and his game elevates. And I think, you know, we're in this situation now where sitting at 13 under par, just one shot off the lead. Mackenzie Hughes feels like he's in a, you know, he's in a fight now and we're going to see his best stuff. And again, yesterday hit the ball really nicely. Today didn't hit the ball nearly as well. But all of a sudden, the scrambling and the putting, which were a little cooler yesterday, come to life. And, and I mean, he loses strokes approaching the green and shoots a bogey-free, uh, bogey-free seven under par, sixty-four today. That's the kind of mentality that I think can help carry him. But yes, the thing too, and I know you know this, and maybe if Kyle was on the show, he'd be rolling his eyes when I'm going to make this observation. Because all I'm hearing is strokes gained, strokes gained, strokes gained all the time. You know, strokes gained is a measure to what everyone else is doing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And strokes gained approach for argument's sake. It's like if you look at these Zoysia fairways, the ball's perking up a little bit. But, you know, certain of the into the wind holes, when the ball's perked up, you can stand a ball up into the wind so much. Then you hit a five iron to 50 feet instead of 25 feet, and you lose strokes to the field from that range. So, so it's whereas it is a measure, it's just a measure from distance, uh, you know, comparable distances. It's not a measure of, okay, I've been aiming at the target. I'm not that comfortable with a right to left shot to a left hole location right now. So I'm putting this thing 30 feet to the right of the, the target. Now, if some other folks that went off that thing, I'm losing a quarter of a stroke on that approach shot. So whereas it is a great way to com- compare, like a lot of these holes, like I said, with these plateaus and shelves and things that you have, it's sort of where you hit it in relation to the hole that makes the next one easier. And like 16 yeah. pitched in from well off the green to the left, he hit a wild tee shot down the right. He saw a window down the left, and he's, he actually said, he goes, I knew it was an easy chip shot from left of the green. Uh, lots of green to work with. Lo and behold, he chips it in. That would have been strokes gained lost, or strokes lost on an approach shot over there. In a Approaching the green. Yeah. Right. Yet, he's still able to put together the score. Yes, which is what I think that, that's what I think is so impressive uh, about Mackenzie Hughes. Now, uh, Hideki Matsuyama all, is down at nine under par. He also played in the afternoon today, uh, and it looks like Hideki's starting to play a little better. He shot five under 66 yesterday, four under 67 today, uh, and heading into a major championship. He's got himself in, in the mix at the end of the weekend. He really does. And I tell you, if there was a strokes gain category, as if to say strokes gain looking great, that's Hideki Matsuyama right now. Because remember, this guy hasn't played since the Masters. Um, There's been niggling injury, I've heard. I don't know exactly what it is. But every pass he made that I was watching today, it was like on the button. And he had it going on. And again, if you want to really know how a guy's hitting it, don't watch how close the ball's hit to the flag. Watch how good it is relative to the distance it has to go. And I saw this mm. guy hole high every single 
time. And his golf swing looked well-timed. He looked like he was convinced about stuff. Stuff, And uh, something I always watch with players as an on-course announcer too um, is how decisive they are with shot selection. You know, are they like hemming and hawing and then they're back and forth on numbers and it's like between six and five and I'm unsure right now. So I don't know. I'm kind of going with the lesser of the two evils. He was out with a club and pulling the trigger fast. And so that tells me that the guy has got it figured out and um, he's cutting a pretty good looking figure. I've got to be honest with you. Uh, more strokes gain data for you, Mark. Uh, third in the field, strokes gain approach. Uh, you also mentioned another statistic, proximity to the hole. Uh, he is second in the category this week. Uh, led the field yesterday in proximity to the hole. So, uh, you know, distance control is also a big factor in that. Um, but what I would like to get into now uh, is I, I'd like to pivot over to the weekend, what we're, what we're expecting to see for the weekend. So we'll run you through a little bit of this odds board here. Uh, Scotty Scheffler is the favorite. No surprise there. He is at, uh, he's at minus 190. And then we have Ryan Palmer at plus 900. Mackenzie Hughes at plus 900. Siwoo Kim at plus 1400. Jason Day is at uh, plus 2,500. Hideki is at uh, plus 2,800. Um, then we have a couple of other guys below that, but I'll I'll leave you there for now. Uh, who's standing out to you most heading into the weekend, Mark? Do I have to make um, observations? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who's standing out to me? Scotty Scheffler. Yeah. Hideki Matsuyama looks great. Um, I think Mackenzie uses is, is a bit of a wild card. Um, but I, I cannot avert my eyes from Scotty Scheffler. I, I, yeah. I went and looked around the golf course with Ian Baker, Finch, and Dottie Pepper today. And we were talking about stuff. And Finchy has got this new data research person that's giving him, you know, some very, very good data about how to play golf courses, you know, like on 14, uh, for argument's sake, the drivable par four. The data there was unless you can hit it onto the green, you must hit it shorter than 285 yards because oh. from, from closer to the green there, the pitch shots around that putting surface with all humps and hollows and bunkers and stuff, you've you got a better chance of getting it close from like 40, 50 yards away in the fairway. So interesting stuff like that. And so we were talking about stuff, and then I said, well, he goes, so what are you thinking? I'm like, I'm thinking right now that Scotty Scheffler is the best ball striker in the world. And he looked at me, he goes, I'm with you. And then Dottie Pepper, who obviously gets to watch them play a lot like I do too, she's like, I'm completely on board. And and so there's three of us who watch these people play up close, and Scotty just looks like it's it's just coming so easy, Greg. I, it's yeah. golf is freaking hard. And this guy just gets up there and flushes it every single time. It's not as easy as he's making it look, folks. It isn't. And while there's this guy that's operating at this higher clip, hell, man, I'm riding that thing all the way to the bank. It's um, it really is just incredible stuff, and it's it's worthy of that kind of a number in the odds board. It's probably not the play right now. Um, we, we still have a lot of golf left. Uh, it, it's probably not the smartest choice if you're pulling money out of your pocket, but it's probably what's going to happen as this tournament concludes. I, I, I think there's a really, um, a really really high expectation that Scotty Scheffler ends up 
running away with this thing. I mean, Ryan Palmer and Mackenzie Hughes are wonderful players, uh, but they are no Scotty Scheffler. Uh, Steve Kim and Jason Day are wonderful players, but this is a you know different level. Scotty's a different level. I have a question for you. So let's say Scotty has a bad day tomorrow. Yeah. How does his number change? Uh, I mean, well, here, this is the hard thing about Scotty. Is his bad day going to be 65? You know, like, like he, he has these this ability. Wonder. Let, let's say he gets to 16 under and he gets yeah. overtaken. Does his number change? Because then if I was a gambler, I'd be waiting for a bad day tomorrow to get a little bit more and I'd still yeah. wait. Yeah, it would change a little bit, but I would say, you know, if Ryan Palmer was ahead of him by one shot tomorrow, I, I or even two shots, I think Scotty Scheffler would still be the favorite. Um, you know, yesterday he was the favorite. He was four shots behind Song You'll Know. Now, all, that being said, you have fifty-four holes to go, and Song You'll Know is, you know, not Ryan Palmer, and um, and and Scotty's sitting right there, so it makes sense. But that number will change with a bad day for sure. Uh, and and I think that's a smart thing to wait on. I wouldn't hit this right now. Um, but that being said, if he has a great day, it can, it, it's going to get uh, a little shorter. And there's not much room, but it's going to get pretty short. So it, look, it, it, hopefully you got into the Scotty action before the tournament. Uh, you're not hoping to do it now because it looks too good to be true now. And Scotty action next week would be a really sound idea as well. Yeah. Uh, hey, I, I, I've while we've been talking, been watching this cut line. And the guys in the chat, I'm laughing because there's a few guys in the chat that need four under to be the cut. I need four under to be the cut. And it got to five and it's dropped back to four. And right now at 6.37 p.m., it's four with 64 guys at four under or better. Now, there's a few guys in the course that could affect this, but it's touch and go. Uh, I'm, I'm keen to see what the odds are and what this, if, if the uh, cut will get to five or not. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Well, you got Satoshi Kadaira and, uh, David Michael Uzi who are at four under through 17. Uh, and then you got a bunch of guys that you got, you got four guys at five under who are still on the golf course. So I don't think they're really going to affect it. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Both finishing holes are par fives. Yeah. Thing is, they're both playing back into wind. Of the two of them, nine is easier because it's shorter. It's a harder tee shot. Now, Satoshi Kodara, if I understand you, is playing up 18. He cannot get to that green in two. He's not he, long lay, he actually, Mark, as you're talking now, he laid up. He hit it to 15 feet and missed. All right. Yes. That's All right. So that helps. Now, let me see. I'm going to check out the tracker here on uh, Michael Uzi here. I don't know who he is. So I couldn't, I couldn't um, see he's going to do. He, it doesn't look like he's teed off yet on 18. He's on the tee. So you, say, you got a little more, a little longer of a sweat. Let me say this about Michael Luzzi. I love you, whoever you are. You made it into a PGA Tour event. You're good. But now he's just come out of 17 where it was muffled and it was quiet, but it was raucous out there and they got big boards around the place and you know exactly what your score is. They got all the numbers up there flashing at you and you'll know what the cut is. Now, this guy's a Monday qualifier, I'm assuming, and uh, he's like right on the cut line to make the cut. Right now, his sphincter is about that tight. <laughs> and having to make a, a birdie or a par, birdie to cinch it on the line is going to be hard. So I feel like he makes par to stay at four, and I think we're okay. You went with uh, KH Lee? 
Who yep. who'd you go with this week? Edge Lee, yes. And he's at four under. So yeah. now we understand uh, what's going on here. Um, but missing guts. Hate missing guts, man. <laughs> Well, I'm seeing in the chat here. I may, I must have made a mistake because uh, Joe Joseph Boza is saying that he's on the other side of the golf course. So I clicked what? on the wrong hole on Kadira. What are you trying to have? Give me a heart attack, Greg? Come on. Uh, so Kadira hit it into the fairway on nine. I'm sorry, I had it on 18. I, it looked like my mistake. He is uh, in the fairway off the green. But in the fairway, 74 feet from Where, the hole. Left or right? Left. So it's he's not, just shy of that bunker. Not a ton of green to work with. Yeah, it's not that easy from down there. You're playing uphill into the grain, and the green rolls away from you some. He would have preferred to be to the right, but it's not that hard from yes to there. So I'm, I'm giving him four. Yeah. So that, that, that could be enough to sway it over the line. No, that, that, hey. moves, the number to six, that moves the number to 65, if I'm correct. Yeah, you got uh you have sixty-four players. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have sixty-four players right now at five under or better. Sixty-four um, guys make the cut. Yeah. So if one of these guys is able to move in and and you know, you could always have a bogey. You got you got five guys on the course through seventeen holes who are at five under. So we'll see what happens there. Blow um, wins. But Blow. anyway. <laughs> if I'm real, real quick before we go, if yes. I'm looking at the odds board, I'm going to stay away from a Scotty Scheffler. I'm probably going to go matchups, find, try to find something I like in there. Uh, but I'm not afraid of a Jason Day or a Siwoo Kim. That would be Siwoo Kim at plus 1400, Jason Day at plus 2500. Those would probably be the only two other guys I'd be comfortable with at this point. Um, but look, a lot more tomorrow. So um, we will see how it all plays out and we'll be back with you tomorrow night to break it all down. See if we got Jason day's putter right tonight or not. Uh, And and we'll be back with you Sunday to break down uh, everything. Maybe we have a KH Lee in the mix. Uh, Maybe not, but that'll, that'll come at you in the next couple of minutes here. But Mark, before we go, any, any final words? No, it's just, look, uh, this tournament's always special to me because Byron Nelson is just a legend of our game. You know, when you come here to the Texas, the, the Metroplex swing, it's not the Texas swing, but when you come to Dallas, it's all about Lord Byron. And when you go to Colonial in a couple of weeks' time, it's all about the Hawk Ben Hogan. And, you know, it's it, it's somewhat saddening to me where you see these legendary events with some great winners kind of not attract the feels that they should but it kind of is how the PGA Tour is going right now. But I'm telling the story to say it's a great event. Um, it, it, it just oozes Byron Nelson around the place with the salesmanship club, the volunteers and stuff. So it's an awesome event, and I look forward to it. I've got the final group tomorrow because um, we've got Colton Amanda on the set on 17. So I'm going to get to watch some good golf with Scheffler and company. I'm looking forward to it. Well, Mark, we'll be watching. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. I know you'll do a great job. Uh, but for the rest of us here at the First Cup Podcast, uh, I hope everybody has a great night. That's Mark Immelman. You can follow him on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. And I'm Greg Ducharme. You can follow me at The Real GFD. That's all we have for you tonight. Until tomorrow, see ya. It's 
It's the NFL offseason, but I'll pick six. Part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. The football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.